Good evening, ladies and gentlemen of the Sports Goofs community. My name is Andrew, and joining me tonight is Charles. Our fellow sports goof, Francisco, is off doing Los Angeles-type things, uh, and hopefully he'll be on the show in a little bit. Uh, but we, of course, have to start this evening with the biggest news uh arguably of this year, uh, this short year, uh, and that, of course, is the death of Kobe Bryant in a helicopter crash this Sunday in Calabasas, California. He, along with, seven, uh, along with eight others, were killed. It was him, his daughter Gianna, uh, John Altobelli, who was a baseball coach at Orange Coast College, his wife Carrie, uh, their daughter Alyssa, Christina Mauser, who's an assistant girls basketball coach, Sarah Chester and her daughter Peyton, as well as the pilot Era Zobayan. I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that correctly. That sent shockwaves through more than just the sports world. Uh, Kobe Bryant is a transcendent figure uh, across the the world he won an oscar he was i don't know charles if you want to chime in here like he,
I think it was 03, because he decided to come back again for some reason. Wait, hold on a sec. We're having audio difficulties, I think. Oh, man. I was hoping it wouldn't happen today. If anyone's watching, can you hear Charles or can you only hear me? Absolutely. You there, Charles?
Well, if anyone is actually here, I apologize for this. Uh, this kind of stinks. <laughs> I was hoping that we would have a flawless show this evening, but obviously that is not happening. So Charles says he can hear me, but question is can can he hear himself? Come on. Hey, all right, let's see if that worked. We're called Goose for a reason, absolutely, Charles. Hold on, say something. Try something else. Speak. going with the nuclear option here I think yep hold on
Okay, I can hear myself now. Charles, uh, speak. Okay, I can hear myself now. Charles, uh, speak. Okay, I can hear myself now. Charles, uh, speak. Oh my goodness. All right, try talking again, Charles. I cannot hear you. Let's try this one more time, folks. Charles? Oh wait, I have Charles again. Yay. Oh boy. Okay. <laughs> uh, Hello. Hey Francisco. Come to save the day. Did you end it? No, we're still live. Because oh, we're, I can we're still hear live, really? Yeah, I can hear Charles now. Oh, okay. Well, uh, I could hear you. Uh, but end the show. End the show right now. We'll, 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 you guys have to start over. <laughs> All right. Uh, I apologize. Anyone who's actually been watching us, uh, we're gonna Don't we're gonna pause for a moment here and uh, try and get things set up correctly. Uh, uh, can either of you guys hear me now? Yeah, I, now I can. I, I can, can hear, hear you now. Actually, maybe I fixed itself already when I came in. Maybe. Maybe the stream was like, I miss my daddy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I, I'm only in for a I'm taking. I'm having a photo shoot right ooh. now. We're Los Angeles, you know? Fancy. Hey. <laughs> it's Hollywood. Um, so I, I just called in to see how you guys are doing a little bit, but I got to get back to that. All right. Uh, yeah. And uh, so hopefully like within an hour or so I can call in. And give you guys my experience as to how LA is right now because woof, mm -hmm. uh, there's Kobe jerseys and stuff everywhere right now. And when you leave, when you leave us, can you uh, just listen in on Twitch really quick to see if you can hear both of us? Uh, yeah, crap, yeah, we've lost Charles on again. YouTube. On YouTube, so I've oh, there he is. Okay, I can hear everybody now. Excellent. Yeah, cool beans. All right, I guess we'll keep the show ro uh, rolling then. Yeah, we can edit. We can edit that. Yes, edit that and post for, the, for, the, for when I post it on the podcast. Exactly. All right, thank you, Francisco. Uh, enjoy your photo shoot. Yep, yep. Blue Steel, baby. Blue He's Steel. He's a model now. <laughs>
All right, talk to All you right. a little bit. All right. Tell me when we're back on, buddy. Oh, we've been on. Oh, hey, everybody. We're back. <laughs> and, uh, it's just kind of like we're back, and it's a dinosaur story, and we didn't know about this. Or is this what Krillin felt in Dragon Ball Z when he was wished back after being blown up by Frieza? It kind of feels like that. Anybody who hasn't seen Dragon Ball Z, you're about 20 years too late. Um, I'm about 20 years too late. Well, you need to come back into that, bud. Uh, go play DBZ Kakarot to get you on there. You can go for your PS4. So, oh, I guess... Well, I guess while we're kind of in a break here, um, we got a question here. Sorry it took so long, Laker fan. One, two, six, zero, seven, seven, seven. Uh, he asked us this about eight minutes ago, so we apologize for the delay. How sad were you? Um, it's a loaded question, right? That's a very but, loaded question. <laughs> but, I mean... You come in, I'll give it to you two ways. You're sad as a person and as a human because you realize it's multiple people. You realize that it's children. You realize the hard part about it um, is that it was a 13-year-old kid. And this is the weird part about living in this generation, Andrew. I think you'll agree with me. Everything is so there and in front of you and... They had a GIF or a meme of Kobe and Gianna on the uh, court side of him just explaining to her basketball. She was a big basketball fan. I remember seeing it, and you find out she's one of the children that had died mm. on that plane. So it was very surreal. You're sad because there's a loss of a life. You're, you know, eight other people coming into it. Whether your feelings on Kobe is this or that, or you don't think we should glorify basketball players or people who have histories. We'll talk about that maybe a little bit later. But at the end of the day, children died, adults died. Um, it was turbulence or something of that nature. And so as a person, you're sad. As a fan of basketball uh, and someone who grew up around the time when Kobe's come around, because I'm, I'm 30, not to make myself feel older than I am. You're old. I got, I'm old, I'm old. I got into basketball probably when I was about six. On the outside in, but you always know who the big names are. So he was a guy that kind of... You follow through. I'm not a Lakers fan. I like the Heat. That that's the team that I support in. Dwayne Wade and everything he does. But the thing about basketball, and for those who do like, like basketball, my group, I'm sure Francisco would. It's a very easy sport to like other teams and other players outside of your own team. That includes those players. Why? Because in today's modern day, everybody shops around and hops around different teams. But like I mentioned, Kobe was kind of stellar. He was transcendent. He was a star player in this league that has lifted off and part of it of lifting off because 15, 25 years ago, 30 years ago, the NBA was kind of small budget, I would say. And Kobe was helped part of that process as did a lot of the modern day players and the players that are now retiring. So as a fan, it's kind of surreal. And I think what hit me, Andrew, is that um, he, he was being nominated and probably going to be inducted into the hall of fame this year. And it's weird Sad in the sense of I'm never going to know what his speech is. You're talking about a guy who took a lot of bumps in his personal and then his public life. You're talking about a guy who will always have his career compared to another great uh, Laker, Magic Johnson, uh, to always, you know, Michael Jordan, LeBron, about missed opportunities, about the reputation that he had if he couldn't win the big one without the big, such as Shaquille O'Neal and Pau Gasol, for being known for demanding a trade away from Phil Jackson, a.k.a. Mr. You know, basketball coach, 
because he was part of that Bulls dynasty as well. As well. Um, so it, it kind of hits you. And usually when, and I don't know how you feel about this. I, I know you're very big into college, but I think you can agree with me this. When a term or a career is over, and I'm not saying for college it's over because of going to the pros, but when they're done outside that school, outside that sector, you kind of leave it there, right? But it's weird knowing that I, I remember watching Kobe's final game instead of seeing the Warriors chase 73 because who cares? I mean, yeah, I get it's history, but this is a guy who's is a legitimate last game. He was chucking buckets like he shouldn't, but who cares? Lakers sucked at that time. Um, so you remember last game, and his career was kind of over, and you leave him behind, but knowing that he was going to have the Hall of Fame. And here's, you guys know I hate the Hall of Fame. I think the Hall of Fame is just ludicrous because we're in a general now for any kind of sport where there's just a lot of fantastic great players and you know these committees who only want to you know cap out at certain things when there's plenty of guys deserving my politics and my feelings aside you know kobe was getting in there and you're not going to hear a speech why well, i feel like now his career's not really over but he gets to leave with a big asterisk because i'll never know i'll never be able to hear how him describing his tutelage of Phil Jackson, not just as a player, but as a student of the game and understanding having Phil Jackson mentor him, not just as a player, but as a young man, becoming a man, becoming a more mature man, not to, cause I think he said he wanted Jordan or Phil to induct him. So to me, it kind of, it kind of feels lacking. Take your favorite player ever in a sport and imagine that you're never going to be able to hear him give that Hall of Fame speech when you knew he was going to get this year. And I yeah. think the other thing that hit me that hit me as a, a fan saddened by his death was, or a, a, someone who can at least respect his game, we'll call it that, who was saddened by his death, was LeBron literally passed him the night before for against the Sixers for all-time scoring, for third on all-time scoring. So it has like this surreal kind of feel to that as well, which was surprising. So to answer... Um, his, his last tweet, his last tweet was to LeBron James for passing him. Yeah. And imagine that, and the next day, he's dead. So yep. to answer um, the question, it's just... You feel sad as a human being because it's a tragedy. So many people had died, and then as a as a fan of the game, you're you're additionally sad. And I think because of the recent events, knowing that LeBron had just passed them, you saw him and his daughter a couple weeks ago on the sideline. That became very memeable. If that's a word, I'm going to create it. If a word, if not, trademark it, patent it, stamp it. You know, to me, give me my money. And then knowing that you can be inducted. And here's the thing. There is so much talent being inducted to the Basketball Hall of Fame this year. Tim Duncan, a few other guys, because I'm not going to go off the list. Kobe was going to be the headliner. And that, that and that's saying something. That's saying yeah, something. The, the pedigree. If I, if I did want to go off my tangent and I can actually look up who's being inducted, there's a lot of greats, and they're all really just surefire should be inducted. Kobe was the headliner, so... I guess the way of how I explain to you is imagine, and I, I would not wish this knock on wood, whatever, because I don't want to put bad juju out there. Imagine it's the year that Tom Brady is being inducted into the Hall of Fame, and then he dies. And they're like, ah, oh, man. You know, that, that I guess is the boundaries, because sports is what, and maybe this kind of leads into a couple other thoughts we have, sports is a connector to people. Sports yeah. is a connection to family, to friends, to your own self, because I like basketball. I never thought I'd imagine to play basketball, but then I started playing basketball when we went to law school with a couple of guys from there, and that made me even more in 
integrated in the pros and to, to watch the pros, to play college, to buy the NBA 2K uh, games. Let me tell you something, 2K21 is probably, you know, not to say that businesses be businesses and they take advantage of people's deaths, but they kind of do. You know 2K21, man, is probably going to have Kobe on the yeah, cover. At least the legend edition of it. Yeah, yeah. and that's going to that's gonna sell a lot of money. Sports is a way, it's a connection, it brings people together, as is other forms of entertainment, of course, but it, it can have a broad sound feel because Kobe was also um, an international appeal as well raised in Italy for a couple of years in his life. He had a very Italian manner about him, I guess. I don't know if that means, because, you know, every Italian now is just an Italian from New York, but what have you. Um, offhanded, right? Uh, but it goes back to when we say a superstar, it's a loosely four-round term for any kind of sporting event. There are people who are not really superstars. Ryan Tannehill is not a superstar. We're calling him a superstar now. I'm digging in my own quarterback <laughs> here. Um, but he is someone... Kobe Bryant was someone that was a superstar because he was world-renowned. And here's the thing, to, to answer on his night, said this group chat, but going back to the message, if you ask how sad you are, you know what kind of sad is about? I remember being like a 12-year-old boy in class rolling up my piece of paper and going, Kobe, and then, of course, missing the damn shot because yeah. I'm a terrible shot even 18 years later. But that's kind of like the connectedness. I never wadded up a piece of paper and said, uh, Sean Marion. And, you know, for those who don't know, Matrix had a terrible jump shot. I never said, I mean, you know, it's not like kids are rolling up paper and going, Ben Simmons, that's right. Well, let's be honest. All of us probably shoot as well as Ben Simmons. I would venture that I can at least make one shot in. And... That's hey, just me. If Markel Fultz can improve his shot, we all can. <laughs> Is that guy still in the game? Like, he's on the he's match. He's with Orlando. Right? He's doing pretty all right. Yeah. Good for him. Right. Good for him. Yeah. You know, not less pressure. Let's take away from the from the, uh, the levity here because, you know, or from the darkness, but let's put a little levity in there because I will always take a dig at the 76ers, even if we're doing it in memoriam. Because you want to know why? The garbage. The garbage. They're, they're just false prophets. You know who the truth is? Tyler Hero is the truth. Right? Yeah. Justice Winslow is the truth. Speaking of... Okay, so, um, now that I'm in here, I wanted to okay. make mention of... Okay, so everybody's... I'm probably going to be popping in and out as, as we're doing this. Right now, I'm just waiting out here. But um, So Tyler Hero tweeted that 24 should be retired league-wide. And I want to get your perspective. I'll tell you guys mine right now. It's hard for me. Like, there's only two guys that have their numbers retired league wide. Jackie Robinson, which is, you know, understandable. I mean, he changed the game for all of the sports, you know. Uh, that's that's on a level. Like, look, look, Kobe was great, but he wasn't Jackie Robinson. All right? It wasn't that level of, of breakthrough. Now, and then the other side is Wayne Gretzky. The Wayne Gretzky's only based on his merit because he's, he's, he's he owns every offensive NHL record by like a mile. <laughs> you know, he was so great that it that he's, okay, there's nobody that's going to catch this guy. Just the game is not the same and all that type of stuff, but he was just, uh, he was he's not from this planet. Um, like, I get people are emotional. I get that Kobe Bryant, for a lot of people, especially Tyler Hero's age, was, I mean, since they've been alive, they've known Kobe Bryant. Uh, as as this great basketball player and has been in their lives, but I I I don't know if I can advocate 24. Players are unofficially not wearing 24 or number eight. Some 
some players have switched numbers already, and I find that I you know I commend that, but I don't know if I can go with twenty four league wide or eight league wide. The Mavericks are yeah. retiring it, which is you so know, weird. That's, look, it could be a team by team thing. If the if they, the Mavericks want to do that, I know the Miami Heat have done it for Michael Jordan, um, and it can be team by team. If teams if if all the teams agree, then okay, fine. Then it's league wide. I get that, but. But that's not really um, that's not really league wide in a sense. Okay, but do you, do but you follow? I get that, but I, I don't know if I want a league mandate because I, I don't know if Michael Jordan's number isn't retired league wide. I mean, I don't know if I can make that same argument. And I'm gonna but jump it, on. Go ahead, Francisco. I'm sorry. Um, and then there, there's the other argument for making him the brand new logo. Oh which, no. Maybe, Maybe I could say that. I'm on the fence for that, but you know, I don't know if Kobe would want that because he was much like LeBron James and some other players. Like once they reach that level of legendary status, they respect the other players, especially Kobe Bryant. Because remember, Jerry West helped build uh, the Lakers as well um, as a, as an executive. So Kobe Bryant has respect for him as a member of the Lakers organization. And maybe Jerry West wouldn't mind. I don't think he's minded uh, being the logo or even stepping away from being the logo. I don't know if Kobe would want that. Well, see, the, uh, the, the problem I have with it is, I mean, and I, I'm not taking anything away from Kobe. He, like, I, I don't know if that's millennial entitlement that these, 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 uh, these young people, you know, whatever. I mean, that might uh, be part of it. Even, it might be part of it, like they're, they're over 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 hyping I'm not even sure what you would call it but um, or overreacting I'm not even sure but I'm gonna I don't know if that, there's a word for it but yeah Sorry. I'm gonna take this from a more uh, sterilized approach if you will um, just taking the emotion out of it think of the tremendous cost physical co- the monetary cost to the NBA that would be involved in changing the logo every oh, 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 no I know every oh, basketball yeah. court I mean, would have to be redone every jersey would have to be redone like that's just from a logistics standpoint but yeah, because um, let me interject there a little bit. Um, for those of you who are not in the graphic design game and branding game, as much as you would think it's easy to switch from one image to another, good point, Andrew. And I want to—it's not. It's really not. Like I, I think jerseys take maybe a year and a half to two years just to get approved, and and different logos and things like that because they have to go through so much focus testing and and product testing and things like that before they can uh, put it out there. Um, I don't know what the people who uh, designed Sonic the Hedgehog the first time even did, but usually that takes time. Usually that takes, and it's it's, it's a really careful thing that, uh, especially when you have a huge brand, like Andrew said, like the NBA, where it's a global brand and just switching the logo like that, even if, uh, if it is Kobe Bryant, is not an easy task and it's not an easy decision. Um, so yeah, that's that's all I wanted to say. It, it, there's a lot more behind that to make that happen. 
Um, I'm going to chime in a little bit. To answer a lot of those questions, it's new for a few things. One, lit Jerry B. Jerry. If you're putting in Kobe, I kind of think that you're forgetting the precedent of the people that were before him in the game, the people going forward. Because I can make the argument that it could be Bill Russell, it could be Magic Johnson, it could be Michael Jordan. The problem is, is when you keep doing a, and I hate to say this without necessarily sounding disrespectful, when you take a knee-jerk reaction and want to put a tragedy, yeah, want to put a tragedy in there to implement somebody, you know, Bill... Bill Russell's like the only one I can kind of think of, man, that maybe can maybe do it, but the body frame's different because you look at everything he did as a player and a coach. But Jerry West, as you mentioned, it, until he dies, has been there since kind of the beginning, man. Pseudo-ABA. Yes, he has one ring. I don't care. You know, it's about the contribution that you have. At least he has a ring, right? Um, and then he has so much as an executive. He built he helped build up the Lakers and the Warriors even now as an advisory role. But not even coming to that, we can't pander to the knee-jerk reactions because the business side of me is saying, no, we keep it as, but we have a plethora. Basketball is the one sport where I think you can have more than two hands worth of great superstars in your league because each position or each number, because now they don't, you know, Spolster doesn't like to call them positions anymore, which I agree. They're ones, twos, threes, fours, and fives, right? But there's such a handful of people who might be worthy of those accolades. So it's kind of weird. So I'm not for Jerry West being replaced on a knee-jerk reaction. And also on the retirement of numbers, no number ever really should be retired. Because you, you can give that deference. I know they were doing that push when they were closing Jordan's. I don't uh, Jordan's number and retiring it, I don't know enough, obviously, about uh, Gretzky, even though I know two men who I should always support, and even my peasant self knows that Gordie Howe and Wayne Gretzky are the dudes, even though there's some other guys in there. Um, who yeah, but, yeah, but yeah, yeah, no, yeah, you got it. You got two of them. Uh, Brad Marchand's <laughs> going to be my new friend, right? My new fave, because he's a Mr. Trash Talker. Um, so you had that. And then Jackie Robinson, it just speaks to itself. You don't have to go anymore. Go read Wikipedia, kids, if you don't want to read it. I wouldn't necessarily say it's millennial entitlement. I would say it's just the knee-jerk reaction and a reverse taking advantage of a tragedy, if I could say that, if that sounds not mean. But let's talk about this. If Kobe, and I I guess Charles has to be contrarian corner over here, if Kobe didn't die, would we even have been having this discussion even as he's about to be inducted in the Hall of Fame for him to replace Jerry West? Because I, I know they have been thrown out there there. At least should have been Mike and you know, Michael Jordan or even kind of contemplate. Would we have retired his number um, if, if he didn't die or if he died, if he was afforded a longer life, if he died at 80? So, you know, 40 years from now, food for thought, sure. But... I never, I never got the idea of retiring numbers. You can retire Jack Robinson because it's what the situation was and at the times, and it was a story of perseverance. I get that. Obviously, Gretzky, you know, basically hockey god aside from Cordial. But and then Jordan, listen, you know, I get it and what have you. Why they retired his number, but um, it, it, that's debatable even on my end of why they even did it, knowing Jordan's character that he took some time off the gambling, whatever. I won't go into that, but um. I just don't see it. I don't. I get it, but I think that it might be of the wrong intent, heartfelt and proper, you know, improper feelings. But if it would have not been considered 30, 40 years from now, is it something we should do based off of this situation? Because we can have 
a generation of beyond superstars. We're talking about Super Saiyan God level of basketball players that could be coming. You know, John Moore and Zion Williams, we don't know. So keep it consistent, right? I don't know. All right, so let's see what else we are to discuss. Well, uh, we lost Francisco. Bummer. Um, crud, I wish he was still here. We would talk about how he was able, he actually covered the, the tribute outside of the, the Staples Center because he was minutes away. He took a, I think he said a train down there. Um, so I guess I, I was surfing Twitter just, just now, and uh, that brings, I guess, to another topic, which is how the tributes that have been pouring in uh, from everywhere. You've got Rich Eisen, Pat McAfee, uh, Dwayne Wade, Shaq, just individually. Um, then, you know, as you mentioned, uh, the Mavericks are retri retiring 24. Um... I just saw the 76ers, speaking of the 76ers. Frauds. <laughs> um, well, you might want to take that back after you hear this. They put a decal or something on their court of the number 33, which was his Kobe's high school jersey number, and he grew up in Philly. Frauds. <laughs> <laughs> The penny knows no pounds. No, that's nice of them. And, you know, we'll kind of take it and let's, let's have fun with this together. What is kind of interesting is no matter what, that you have organizations and players respect somebody to give tributes. And it's weird because, I mean, kind of to start back from what we started with the topic of conversation, but to bring it back here, I was glued to one for confirmation of the news that he did pass and die and all that stuff, but also to see what other people around the league were saying and also entertainment people and also ESPN and how they felt to it because I think those are the ones who interact inter interacted with him away from the standard people that we are, right, that gave you a real view of who he might have been as a person connected. So I was dead set interested checking my feed. Follow us on Twitter, Andrew, you are Dan Friole, as I am Charles the True. Francisco is always the one I don't know, but it's always FJR Pata. You know, we'll get to you when we've got to get to you. Um, but I was looking for Phil Jackson's reaction. I want to know what Shaq's reaction was. Brian Shaw, who was a, co uh, a player with um, Derek Fisher's reaction. Um, you know, my buddy texted me because he was watching the NBA stuff today because Roman Lakers and Clippers game was canceled today for those who don't know, but they saw the TNT uh, show that's going on and then um, they say Shaq was a mess and, you know, I, I think sometimes what happens is it lets you, if someone's going to, I guess, cry for someone that badly or mourn for someone that badly, maybe it gives insight of what that person meant to them and in a world that we have today, say what you are, here I am going on philosophical waxing again, but there's a lot of ugly going on um, in the world uh, throughout the entire world. I keep saying 5,000 times, but when there's a lot of ugly going on, I think it's a little refreshing, and I, I, I suppose the other W I'll say is wholesome to see how someone can unveil to you who this person is, uh, or not even just him, because you got to remember, you know, Shaq, Gianna, and a couple other people, 
energy on it because there's interaction, what that family meant to them. So you feel that, not only do you feel that connectedness, you feel the empathy, of course, because it was a passing of a life, but you really get an idea of who that person is with anybody that dies, I suppose, and it's brought out. Um, and the messages that come into it on ESPN, ESPN, I forgot his name, but um, I think it's Jay something. Jay Williams. Jay Williams. Yeah, I knew it was Jay Williams, but I was going to say Phyllis. I knew it was going to screw it up. But uh, first off, he cursed on live TV, so respect. Mm-hmm. Because the, the ESPN is owned by who? The Mouse. And the Mouse being Mickey Mouse being Disney, ABC, all that stuff. And I'll try not to they'll keep it as rated G as they can until they don't want to. Fix my Star Wars, damn it. Um, <laughs> but he, he went off the cuff. He said he basically gave that emotional message because he knew him. He was around him. He was in the locker room. And then he knew him outside once he retired. And he gave what I felt is a heartfelt message. Of, and I am, of course, uh, full disclaimer, you guys, I am not this kind of person. But I still think it's a good message to bring up to others. But if you have any kind of um, stuff going on or drama or turmoil with another person or, or a unit of people, whatever, he, goes, he just goes and says, let that. You know, bleep go. Let that crap go. I won't curse because I'll keep it. You just cursed two minutes, less than a minute ago. I'm a hypocrite, sir. You understand this? Um, But he says, let that shit go. I'll say it. Thank you. And the the message that he's coming into is that, you know, let it go. Life is short, whatever. And whether or not you believe it, you care about it, you could be a nihilistic human being, cynical, you could be the most, you know, positive human being out there. It's the message that's coming out. So, you know, Death has a weird way, and mourning by other people have a weird way, Andrew, and not to get kind of philosophical again, but has a weird way to kind of re-encourage positivity and wholesomeness. Mm. And that's kind of, if you ask me what the theme of um, this whole, you know, event that has happened, this tragedy or this memoriam, is it's just all circular, bringing back to the positives and negatives of a person, the situation, make you appreciate your own positives and negatives of your life and the positive and negatives of other people, and then, you know, it's a circle because it's like a game of ball, basketball, and go watch basketball, go watch heat ball. Mm. Okay, so let's see. The time schedule kind of got thrown off a little bit by our technical difficulties earlier. Um, you want to go to uh, our favorite event of the show, our favorite segment? Well, not yet. We're not even at an hour. That's right, because how much time we lose on that. All right, continue. Uh, because we started at 7.20, so we'll we'll get there shortly, I guess. Um, how about this? I'll ask you this. You know, we'll keep it, we'll segue a little bit to basketball from Kobe basketball. That's fine. Because you know, um, one of the things I was kind of racking, Brim, I think we talked about a little bit, and I know you're not a big basketball fan, but I think with a situation like this, you can, you know, transition to any other sport. Given the events of everything, mind you, this is not an active player, this is someone who's retired. Do you think? Uh, were you surprised? How about this? Were you surprised that the NBA let them cancel tonight's game? It's a big game, Lakers and the Clippers. You know, emotions aside, would would Kobe still want to? Would, would he watch the ball? Who knows? He, you know, he's in a different situation than we are. But um, you know, I was surprised that the NBA, which is a business, it's not tone deaf to his people. I think the NBA is probably actually more open to what the players tell them. But I, I got to tell you, I was a little surprised that they kind of didn't keep the game schedule going on. It was definitely something that's going to draw the the ratings, I feel, 
for the late night show. Them versus the Clippers. The Lakers are number one in the West. The Clippers, I, it fluctuates every time in the East, but I think, or I'm sorry, in the West. But I think they're currently like third or fourth seed coming into it. And I was surprised. I was surprised because I would hate to say it, but even though it's a business, the idea of would they not want to capitalize on this situation to bring in more viewers or something that's big is going to be at the Staples Center? I'm just shocked. What are you guys talking about? Uh, surprised that the, that the NBA allowed the Lakers and the Clippers to cancel tonight's game. And I'm just oh, saying no, no, I'm not shocked I'm, the business. I, I'm, no, I'm not shocked at all. Um, I'm, I, I kind of, once again, I, I go back to what the Marlins did when Jose Fernandez died. Uh, they, they canceled, I think, the rest of their series. They were facing the Braves, I think, and they canceled the rest of that series, I believe. Uh, they either canceled or they forfeited and then they came back against the Mets uh, days later uh, that weekend. So I think the Lakers need time to process what they're going to do. Um, I, I think they're going to consult with other teams, probably consult with – I mean, Derek Jeter was very close to, to Kobe Bryant. He wrote a piece about it. The Players' Tribune, which, by the way, if you guys don't know, was founded by Derek Jeter, um, our Lord and Savior. Um, but um, – I think they're gonna, you know, ask the Marlins what the, whoever was still there, what they did. They'll look at what the Boston Red Sox did after the um, after the uh, the bombings at the Boston Marathon. Um, they'll look at what other teams have done in times of tragedy to honor victims. I'm sure they'll. The Florida Panthers just recently with um, um, the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas as well. So they might be contacting other teams and and everything to figure out how they're going to honor this guy and put together a proper memorial. If any, if any town can do it, it's Los Angeles. That's for sure. But I think, I mean, they play the Blazers on Friday, according to the schedule. And I don't even know if they'll play that one, to be honest. I don't know if enough time is, has passed. I'm not even sure. Um, so, I, so let me ask I, you... I'm not surprised if the game was moved. Let me ask you this, Francisco. You mentioned Jose Fernandez, but Jose was a active player. Yeah, I know. He was on the roster. and but, uh, no, Sorry, finish your thought. Well, it's not so much of a thought. It's just Charles being contrarian, because it's me. But it's more or less, you have to explain to me, you always have you know the moment of silence and everything that comes into it. And I, I guess I'm just kind of perplexed that you know they would do that. Because we talk about unprecedented. I don't think I think it's actually unprecedented that they would cancel a game for a play. I mean, listen, more people died on that helicopter, so I'm not being ignorant towards that. I'm just keeping it no. sports related. No, I, um, mm-hmm. But you know, someone who has been retired for many years died, and they're going to cancel. So that's what kind of like I, I'm just kind of like that's what shocks me a little bit. I, I okay. think the the shocking part is the Lakers. Look, I'm sure the Lakers have a contingency plan for. Whenever one of their superstars, one of their, their their greats is about to die, I'm sure they got a Jerry West plan already ready to go. You know, and then they have a Magic Johnson plan. They have a Kareem Abdul-Jabbar plan. Like they've got the plan for that, but I don't think they were ready for this. Yeah. Like they weren't ready. For, like they were like thinking, okay, well, we'll honor Kobe when he passes away 40 years from now. <laughs> so they weren't expecting this right now. Like, it's the same thing. You just will switch teams. Your favorite team, the New York Yankees. If Derek Jeter died right now, uh, during the middle of the season, 
of 2020, the Yankees would stop everything. Well, I mean, just stop it. They, they would just erect a statue of him first. Yeah. You know, they would cancel the season and erect the statue. Um, I don't think, you know, and here's a, here's the thing too. I don't think it's wrong for them to cancel it, the games. I don't think it's wrong for me from there. Because, uh, you know, there's always going to be a different interpretation. I'm just surprised. And, and here's the other thing. Look, it's different. Yeah, I know he, that he was retired, but he was a young retiree, he would say. So he was still around the game. He was still around the Lakers. He was still, like, you look at, like, Johnny Santosacampo. I mean, he completely, he, he exited social media because he couldn't take the grief. I mean, this was a guy that was still in the game, in with all these players, or players that still played with them. You know, it, it's not um, the same thing for the Yankees. If, if Derek Jeter, you know, got rid that would happen to him. There's still guys right now playing with them, guys that grew up um, idolizing him. It would have been different if, you know, he was an old man and this happened. And so that's why it's closer to these players now because if he retired, maybe even if, let's see, even if this happened 10 years after he was retired, I don't think it would be the same impact. It might have been a little less if he would have been like in his 50s. Um, but like, like he's only 41. He just retired like what four seasons, five seasons ago. It was, it was really close, like way too close. Um, like he could still like if if he. I mean, there are players that that make it to 40 and still play. I mean, Michael Jordan made it to 40. Vince you know? Carter still playing at 40. Yeah, Vince Carter's Carter still too. playing, you know. Yarmir Yager was playing, whatever, in, in, in the NHL. You know, so it's not out of the realm that that he's... It, it almost feels like he's still an active player for a lot of people. And, you know, I'll ask you this, and it's speculation. I kind of hate doing the speculative thing, but all great sports an- analysis is all about speculation, right? He is somebody that you felt that if he he might have had a position in the Lakers front office organization to some degree. I couldn't see him necessarily as a coach, but as an advisory role, maybe something that Magic took upon. You, you never know. Because some, and especially in the NBA, a lot of guys, when they stay for life, they literally stay for life. Someone's laughing in the background. Yeah, once again, guys, um, I'm in the middle of this, so I got gotcha. you. background noise. So, Francisco's Francisco, I'm, I'm popping in and out, you know, at random here. Francisco, while we have you, um, we want your eyewitness goof on the ground take. What yeah, was it like being at the Staples Center? It's 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 kind of crazy, and at the same time, unfortunate that um, this tragedy kind of helped us blow up a bit. Because, um, look, I'm in Los Angeles for work. I know it was a Sunday, you know, and I get a text from you guys that this happened. Uh, I remember specifically Charles. And at first I thought it was a joke. Like, you know, people die on the internet all the time. You know, we all thought Sinbad was dead, was dead at one point. <laughs> so um, I thought, like, okay, this is not good. Like, this can't be real. It's like, and then I go downstairs to, like, this pizza place, sports bar downstairs, uh, connect to the hotel, and there's nothing, like, they saw the Pro Bowl stuff. So I'm like, there's nothing on here. Like, ESPN would have it 
like immediately if something had happened to him. And I get back up to my, my hotel. And then I think, uh, Andrew, I think it was you that dropped that woe, which confirmed it. And I'm like, oh my God. So I gathered my belongings. Uh, well, not my belongings, but my, you know, I dressed up and everything. And I'm like, I'm heading to the Staples Center. So, because I got to see this. I, like, I don't know. It's just one of those moments like, okay, like, like me and Andrew, I guess in some unofficial, well, in an official and unofficial, in an unofficial way, we've become uh, members of the media. Uh, for sports and so you know I'm a hockey uh, writer and he's a college football writer but I'm like this is a moment that I have to see I gotta say as someone who you know got training I went to UCF got a journalism degree I'm not saying I'm an expert or anything but you had you had those journalism instincts um, I, I mean, I, I honed a little bit of the skills when I wasn't pissing off Canadians uh, when I when I write my Panthers articles. But anyways, <laughs> um, so I head to Staples Center and like I see one or t- like one girl with like a, a, a jersey, and then I get out and I see like a family with jerseys on, and so I'm heading to the Staples Center and this is a, a makeshift memorial because the Staples Center was fenced off because the Grammys were on at the same night that night so it was fenced off so you can get near like the statues that they have out there for for magic johnson kareem abdul jabbar Shaq, uh wayne gretzky all those are in front of the staples center and so i i get over so um there's a, a wreath of flowers and people are leaving basketballs and, and things like that one guy drew this amazing picture of of, of Kobe um, as an angel, like he just he went down. He, he I don't know how, how he did it so fast, but he did it. And so um, uh, there's people hard crying, and I, I I did it live on Periscope, and and so um, the, the Microsoft Square was kind of weird because there were people dressed up for the Grammys. There were people in suits and, and dresses and stuff like they were there early. And so it was kind of a mix of things, but people were with their phones, texting and tweeting and taking photos. And so uh, when I lost connection, uh, because I guess there were so many phones there that I lost signal. So I just decided, okay, well, I'm going to take photos um, and then I'll post them whenever I grab signal again. So I post the photos and then CNN and ABC News come calling. <laughs> They're like, oh, we would like your photos if you know, we allow us to, to post them on our on our platforms and we're like, I'm like, sure, you know, just, I don't know where they are on the internet, but they are on the internet. So, so we, we hit that level, but people are hard crying. And so I'm there probably, I was there probably like, I would say an hour. I was there like an hour, but as I was leaving and they had like the, the, the images of Kobe Bryant in the Microsoft square, that's what they call it there. Um, like, just like this deluge of fans flocking from like everywhere. Like they're just coming just like this. It was a wave, wave after wave of people coming in with jerseys all from wherever in Southern California, Los Angeles area. Like I, I have never seen that before. Uh, I witnessed what happened with, you know, Jose Fernandez, but it wasn't at this level. This was at another level. Like this guy's death, and I mean, luckily it was on a Sunday, so people could come. You know, 
I, I, but I'm assuming, I don't know what would have happened on the work on a weekday. And they might have shut down the city. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's very possible. I mean, even now, like uh, here, like I, I talked to um, one of my coworkers here, like he's like, you know, I still think like the day that they do this memorial and they do play their first home game, they're going to shut down a lot of things here because there's got to be like a funeral procession or something. And so um, I said it might be akin to what happened to, like people have been talking, it might be akin to what they did for Michael Jackson um, when he died. Like there was a whole procession that happened. Mm-hmm. So I, I can't even, so I, I don't know how it's going to be. I'm not, unfortunately not going to be um, here for that. But I am fortunate that I was here for, because I've never, I mean, um, I know I'm a Miami Heat fan, so I don't, and yes, you know, Kobe was on another level, and so I'm not hurting, like, other people. Like, if it happened to Dwayne Wade, it would be a different story, but, um, but, like, you see how much he transcended, like, he became an adopted son of Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. I know he's from Philly, he's in Philadelphia, he was a Philadelphia Eagles fan and everything like that. Like people were flocking. I, I'm I'm assuming at this point probably maybe in the thousands have at least come to the Staples Center in some way, shape, or form for five minutes or or half an hour or an hour to go there and pay respects. I, I don't know how they're gonna. I don't know what's gonna happen uh, from here forward. I mean, the, the Staples Center was kind of shut down because of the Grammys. So the Kings play tomorrow. The Clippers play after that. I don't know if the Lakers will play Friday. I don't even know if the Clippers will play on Thursday. Um, I want to see what the LA Kings do um, for their memorial. I suggested that they wear their purple and and their forearm blue and yellow uh, retro jerseys, at least for the warm-up with Kobe's name on the back of all the players' jerseys and to donate them, to, to auction them off to proceeds of Kobe's foundation. I think that would be a great idea for the Kings to do. Yeah. Um, but... Guys, I, I haven't seen this. Like, I, honestly, this is cr- it's it's amazing. It's really amazing. It, it gets to you. It really gets to you when you see it. It got to me when Jose died. Like that was because this is that was different because it was the players mourning. He was an active player, so. Uh, but this Kobe's meant more to to everyone down here. Remember, he was here for he played for twenty years here. Mm-hmm. That's two. That's a generation of people. That's that's uh, that's transcendence. I mean, what like the only other guys you can even compare that to is and they and ESPN has shown it is Derek Jeter. <laughs> that's the only other one. Dirk the two largest. Uh, I mean, but I'm, no, Dirk Nowitzki. Even then, I don't think he reaches Kobe levels. No, definitely jumper though. Mm. But. I agree. Uh, but he doesn't reach Kobe levels, not five championships. Kobe and Derek Jeter have the pretty much the exact same stat line in some sense. If you can kind of mix them up for baseball and basketball, and be those, that's the only other person. And they played around the same era, so that's the only other person. It was him and and like, I mean, there's nobody for hockey like that. Maybe Sidney Crosby at this point, but um, yeah, that's um, that's and Tom Brady. Tom Brady's the other one. Tom Brady's the other one. So, um, yeah, that's that's what I saw here. And even now, there's Lakers jerseys posted on people's businesses. Um, 
signs um, on marquees, uh, people walking around in, in Lakers jerseys, uh, Kobe Bryant jerseys of, of each color and, and, and retro and modern era Lakers jerseys. Um, and, and there's murals going up now. People are painting, uh, posting their artwork. Um, so this is going to be, I don't know, this is going to be a long morning session for, for the Lakers. And I, I have a strong feeling this might propel them to a championship. Uh, from an emotional standpoint, like it's going to be hard to deny the Lakers if you're in a Western Conference team right now. Uh, at this point, I mean, uh, when you have that emotional uh, kind of inspiration, I would say that it's uh, I don't know. There's there's other forces. Uh, in play that one cannot comprehend the base the basketball gods might, which uh, Kobe must be might have, might have joined now might be having a hand in that so yeah that's I mean you guys can ask me whatever you want but yeah I think that pretty much covers it I mean yeah. I mean we're at the hour mark basically or no we have a few minutes left um Let's, let's end it with some humor, because Francisco, you talked about people with the jerseys, everything like that, but have you seen anyone with a Kobe jersey tattooed on their back? Oh, boy. Um, I haven't seen, I mean, I saw this one guy that had, I mean, it's probably the closest to a tattoo on the back, and I, you can see it on our on our Sports Goose Instagram, at Sports Goose. Uh, this guy with this fantastic Kobe Bryant um, uh denim jacket well uh, we got news for you the closest I've got, hold, you know. hold on hold on i i hear charles stall for me all right so well we got news for you guys because you talk about fandoms you talk about reverence you talk about love but now you can just buy a kobe jersey for like 70 bucks but there is a fan out there and andrew sent this to me and i was just shocked and aghast I, I get the respect that you get it, but Francisco, he tattooed a Kobe Bryant jersey on his back. It has the Jerry West logo, it has Bryant, it has the 24 on there. And oh before gosh. he puts it on there now, like, I want to, he, I, I kind of want to tell you what it's about, but I feel that if you're able to see, it's great, Andrew's up there. But that is some dedication. Do I think it's money not well invested? Probably. But who am I to tell another grown-up what do they do with their money and put it on their, bot, uh, their body? But, um, yeah. yeah. Have, it, you ever, have you seen all the gaming tattoos out there? Oh, Ooh. yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. of course, people have the, the people are pale, so they have a nice blank canvas. Oh, this, this man, on, yeah. this man's very pale. This man's very pale. <laughs> Let's just say this man is paler than the Pillsbury Doughboy. Uh, he <laughs> might be a vampire, and I feel like he just needs to add in the purple and gold to make it very. Um, as authentic as it can be. But if you think about it, you know, it's that kind of love and loyalty. I knew people, and so this is as Andrew's bringing up as I'm selling for time, I've seen people with New York Giant tattoos, New York Yankee tattoos. I personally, no matter how much love I have for a team organization, a concept, a literary figure, I don't think I could 
tattoo a logo on me or a jersey. One, because I would have to pee all the time if it's done on my back. And then two, being it's just like, man, what if they pull a Philadelphia 76ers and decide to say, give the fans the middle finger to tank for four years and disrespect me as a fan? I can't get that off my back. I can burn a jersey, as Cleveland fans know, with the LeBron. But I can't really laser remove a giant jersey on my back tattoo. And guys... We're, we're telling you right now, folks listening, it is not like a small jersey. It is the man's back. So that's some dedication. Yeah, that, that's uh, – well, let's just say that guy doesn't have a lot of job interview prospects lining up. So it's, Wait, it's, did you see it? to do that. Francisco, did you see it? I haven't seen it. I can't see it right now. But oh. I, I Hold can, on. I can, only ima- I can only imagine it right Go now. Go into the group chat. I, I posted I, I, it in I, there. I, I, I don't think I can right now, but so I'll look at it afterwards. Believe me, I'll look at it. Well, I will tell you, so so you can hear it for everybody who hasn't been able to see it. They just want my two cents, and then go to Andrew's two cents. Wow. All right. It's like uh, it's like when you have beautiful, luscious hair, and you decide to mohawk it, and came out a bad idea. That's my take on it. But he's a grown man. I'm not gonna tell a grown man what he can't do with his with his body. For you, pal. So you are you the real MVP. Listen, Segway Senate, if you're willing to get a Kobe Bryant jersey on your back, you are not a godly goon. You're the real MVP, pal. You loyal, <laughs> you're a loyal player. Yeah, that's a good one. I like it. Hold on. Oh man, I'm I'm trying so hard to pull it up. Can you just copy and paste from our group chat? Nah, it's not as simple as that. It's not as oh. simple as that. Yeah, it's not as simple as that, but. Um, Maybe you can search for it on our on the Google search page that pops up. Here, hold on. But, but in any case, yeah. I mean, um, let me let me ask you this, Francisco. You love your Marlins. You love your Heat. I don't know how you feel about tattoos. I mean, there's no Marlins. You, well, you get you can get Billy. Have, there's no Marlins for me. But would you ever consider tattooing your favorite sports franchise on any part of your body? Oh no! I mean, gosh! I mean, tattoos are. (laughs) Well, if you're averse to tattoos, I'd sooner get a Sonic the Hedgehog or Super Mario on my my body than my sports. That's for sure. <laughs> I feel like I would be a, a typical Yankee fan. I'm not gonna lie. If I got a Yankee tattoo, I, I if I went and I said tattoo, I would get my. Uh, I finally got get it. The NY on there. I, I get the NY. I get a bat. I get the pinstripes, and I feel like everybody would hate me that much more and hate the Yankees because of because I have finally like elevated. You know, it, it's basically. Uh, it's basically like graduating Hogwarts, and now you're a full-fledged wizard. Congratulations, Harry. Go be an R and go chase bad guys. And for those on the sh- for those watching on Twitch, YouTube, there, there we have the real MVP because that's dedication. That's dedication. It's one of those few times if I had to contribute the money that I spend on things I don't need. If this guy said, "Can you get me a GoFundMe for the uh, purple and gold?" I might chip in a dollar. <laughs> Hold on, Francisco, I just texted it to you. I'm going to stall a, a couple more seconds to see if I can right, let me see if, get let your reaction. Oh, God. What is that? Oh, God. Oh, oh my God. Oh, 
<laughs> but he's a grown man, and on our show, we don't do that. We'll, we'll patronize you to a T, but we're never going to tell you not to do it, dang it. Oh, boy. Well, I'm glad that we were able to end such a uh, a dark, and not dark, but very solemn uh, discussion with some levity. Uh, so with that, Charles, do you know what time it is? It is a time. Okay. It, it is, is time, time for a word from our non-sponsors. Yay! Can I go first? Because I, I feel like I have to go first in order for it to save time. Absolutely. Okay. All right, so... Um, Go ahead while I'm trying to take this monstrosity off the screen. Okay, so I'm uh, I'm gonna give it to the Los Angeles Metro system Ooh. because God, I wish Miami had a metro system. Like this. <laughs> Dear, I, I wish South Florida in general, like the entire region, had this because it would make life so much easier. I wouldn't have to drive. I, I mean. I, I got from I got from the Staples Center to the Hollywood Walk of Fame in like half an hour with no with no like worries or anything like that. Like I was there. Like I, I didn't have to worry about parking anywhere. I didn't have to worry about insurance. I didn't have to worry about getting lost. Like you get off and not a, oh you're at the Hollywood Walk of Fame like literally right here. The station's right here. Like you get off and like oh wow the Staples Center is literally like a block away. So, I wish that I mean the Marlins might even have like, like twelve more fans if that would happen. <laughs> like, just like just by convenience. It's like, you know what? I accidentally got off on the Marlins Park stop. You know what? My miles will catch a game. <laughs> so like, it would make things so much easier. I know the metro gets down around downtown Miami and Brickell and, and things like that. And yes, it there's it goes to Hialeah, but. It, it doesn't go enough places. It doesn't go deep enough into South Florida, uh, or especially Miami Dade. Like if I could get to work without, like I, I can get into work here. I get off. I get out of my hotel. I walk a block. Uh, you know, I have like the the little card there. You don't have to swipe. You just have to put it next to a thing. It's like NFC or whatever. You get on, and like ten minutes later, I get off and I'm right there. I just walk a couple of blocks and I'm at work. Like, I, I mean, heck, I'm, it's actually healthier for everybody because you get to walk. You walk a little bit, but, I mean, you know, you, you can reach everywhere. Like, here, you can reach the beach. You can reach Hollywood. You can reach uh, the Staples Center. It's it's amazing. Like, I, uh, right, man. And, and there's Sonic the Hedgehog ads all over the place, which makes me even happier because um, they are pushing that movie hard at the same time. So yeah, man, uh, the Los Angeles Metro system, good, good on you guys. It's, it's only 25 years old. It's not that old. Um, but uh, you guys uh, did a bang-up job here. So uh, uh, promo code, um, car suck. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to have to leave you guys for a little bit, all right? All right. All right. Talk to you soon. All right. Um, I will go next, I suppose. Um, my non-sponsor has to be Nikon. Mm, good choice. 
So for anyone that doesn't know, Nikon is a camera company, um, and I recently purchased a Nikon from someone on the internet. Don't worry, I am safe. They were a reputable person, and they were quite nice. Um, and I used said Nikon to take pictures at the Boca Raton Bowl and the Orange Bowl uh, this this uh, bowl season. Uh, I did most of my training in school on a Canon, um, but really Canon and Nikon are just from experience because I worked with both of them. Um, it's it's basically the same thing. It's just you know one rotate one has its uh, lens zoom in one direction. The other has it in another direction. It's little minor differences, but they're virtually the same thing. Um, I have a little bit of a preference for Canon, just based, like I said, on past experience. But honestly, and this is an old camera. This is camera is probably, I don't know, 10 years old. Probably a bit, uh, Probably maybe a little bit older. Um, but it still works perfectly. It's, it's a good, it's a good little camera. Uh, it's a Nikon 5D. Um, and also like some, uh, additional shout out to the guy that sold me the camera. Um, it was a great deal and I appreciate him for it. Um, and it opens me up to do a lot more things that I wanted to do for a while because photography has kind of become a hobby of mine. Uh, so yeah, my, my non-sponsor for the week is Nikon. Promo code? Promo code. Uh, hmm. I don't know, Nikon? <laughs> Nikon the icon, right? I like that, all right. Nikon the icon, but the but icon is spelled with a K, so it's N I K O N T H E I K O N. Nikon the icon. Uh, Nikon the icon. Uh, all right, I, I guess I'm up kind of right there. So I had to think about it. I really had to think about it because I had to think with my my tummy there, Andrew. Oh my goodness! And I had to think about my tummy today, and I had to think about my tummy on Sunday, and was my, my need to think about my, my tummy today stronger than to need about my tummy on Sunday? And I'm going to go with Sunday's tummy. So I might have mentioned it before, but, you know, new year, new me, new I get to put in non-sponsors, even if I mentioned them in 2019, because 2019's in the past, man. It's in the past. You know, so it was the Royal Rumble. Don't worry, folks, you will definitely get to hear my uh, comments on that much later in the show. Mm-hmm. But it's the Royal Rumble. It's one of the big four pay-per-views that the WWE has besides WrestleMania and SummerSlam and Survivor Series. And and I knew I was going to be in charge for a lot of wrestling, about four and a half hours worth going on there, maybe five if you count the pre-show. So I need a uh, loaded kind of dinner, something that can both qualify as partial lunch and partial dinner. And I knew what I wanted. 
the folks call me like, hey, you want us to get you like a burrito or something? I'm like, no, 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 guys, thanks for the offer, but, uh, you know, I need to get some other stuff. People were like, hey, you want to come out and eat and get something? Like no, 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 guys, I get some other stuff. I knew specifically what I needed, what I wanted, what I had to have, and that was a Jersey Mike sub, and not just a regular Jersey Mike sub. I needed the giant buffalo chicken uh, sandwich that they have in there. Giant, you guys, because it's like 14 to 15 inches of pure great taste flavor in my mouth in the hot sub and i had it tailored to my order with extra bacon with bacon itself i mean if i had an extra i'd probably have a coronary attack <laughs> and it was good enough to have lunch and for dinner because i ate half it i put a little bit of extra hot sauce on there that I like mm, my mouth is uh, salivating right now i'm hungry i'm hungry but i knew you know for the big boy uh you know big pay-per-views i need a big sandwich to satiate it and i've always liked jersey mike's I like their bread. I like the way they do the meats. Everything tastes fresh. It's delicious. If you get a basic cold sub, they get to overload you, overload you with oil and vinegar to the point where your sandwich is basically just peeing itself with so much flavor and deliciousness. But when I know that I got a super event coming up, and y'all know I love my wrestling, you treat yourself with all the proper love because you got to take care of you, man. You got to treat yourself. And I got myself my buffalo chicken sandwich. I'm so hungry right now. It's killing me. And I don't <laughs> want to go there in my sweats. But, man, I had that for lunch. And then when it came around, to, that was at like 5.30. Then when it came around to around 9 o'clock, as I'm watching the Women's Royal Rumble finish up, I just ate that other sandwich. And you know what? It was just like the Royal Rumble. Spoiler alert. Satisfying. Satisfaction? Maybe. <laughs> So, Jersey Mike's, thank you for your round, because every now and then, if you're kind of stuck with those lower-tier sandwich providers, Jimmy John's okay because of the bread and their mayonnaise, right? Public subs, they kind of hurt the roof of my mouth a little bit. I like the ultimate, though, and I'm always attacking on sales. Subways for peasants, I'm not a big fan of it. I'd rather pay the extra two bucks. No offense to those who like subways. Firehouse subs, eh, it's just a little bit of the cut above, but it's not the diamond cut. You know what it is a diamond cut? Jersey Mike's. Promo code... Diamond cut. I like it. And you know, I've actually never been to Jersey Mike's. Is that so? That is so. You should go there. I recommend it. I'll, cons- I'll consider it for lunch tomorrow or something. You should. I mean, they're a little, uh, full disclaimer to everybody out there. They're a little bit pricier than others, but it's a higher quality. And you're not going to put in your body cheap crap. No, because you're worth more than that. Because you, ladies and gentlemen, are diamonds. And diamonds deserve the best quality cut, right? Jersey Mike's. <laughs> Indeed, sir. All right. Um, hey, Charles. Hey, Andrew. It's the cage. I Thanks. I have been I he can attest to this. I have been waiting with bated breath for the past ever since the Royal Rumble it was on Sunday, right? Yes, it was Sunday, starting at seven pre-show at five. I have been waiting with bated breath since Sunday to hear this, and we usually we kind of push you to the back of the show, but I said screw it. This week we need we need cage and we need it now. Oh, well, ask and it shall be delivered. Welcome everybody to your weekly Trueplex with Charles, the cage with Charles. Hit Full us with that disclaimer, wrestling. Charles. Hit us. Uh, yeah, yeah, disclaimer. Full disclaimer. Wrestling is not fake. It is scripted. It is a dance. It is a ballet. It is basically poetry in motion. 
you know, men fighting for the love of women, men hating other men, women hating other people, everything coming in, chasing titles, chasing championships, having an opportunity, having a chance to make a name out of yourself. For those who have been ignored for years, having the chance to become relevant, for those who had to suffer, being the underdog coming out of the top, for those being the bad guys, continuing the bad guys, playing your own Thanos. And you guys, I know, we, we, we know, we all know that I love me some wrestling. As you heard with our Mike's love, we know that I watch AEW. We know I watch New Japan. A little bit of Ring of Honor. I'll talk about that maybe in a second. But WWE is where the loyalties lie. It's what we grew up on, right? And as long as I think I've been alive or around or even watching wrestling, the Royal Rumble has been consistent part of your life. It's not a pay per view that gets its name changed. It's always every January. It's always important. It makes, you know, diamonds in the rough into pure diamonds. Granted, they still be diamonds, but let's not talk about my my question about that. You have a it you makes, have a real thing for diamonds in this episode. Apparently, I'm, I'm gonna go buy myself some. Uh, maybe I'm being sponsored by Tiffany's. I haven't told you guys. J.R. Dunn. The the reason why we talk about it is because the Royal Rumble is a lead into the best time of the year, WrestleMania season, baby. Because the base of the Royal Rumble is like the men's and the women's. 30 competitors enter, it starts off with 1 and 2, builds up, going up to 30, the last person standing books their title shot to WrestleMania to challenge for the main championship, guys, and also not just that, but to main event it, that's why it's a time, you're presenting yourself with the biggest cut you've ever seen, oh my god, it's glorious, and I gotta tell you, this Royal Rumble was damn good, almost from the top to bottom, Andrew, was I about the entire card, a lot of the matches, even the pre-show ones, weren't that bad. Pre-show matches, you guys, are typically just there. They kind of get some of the crowd that came there earlier to test out certain feuds, to end out feuds, just to put some, you know, butts in the seats, right? So, mm-hmm. you had Sheamus and Shorty G going at it. Okay, match. You had Andrade and Humberto Carrillo. That's me and my, my uh, Spanish is coming in there. Uh, <laughs> don't know how to roll my R's. I'm sorry. I put shame and dishonor on my family. Andrade won that. And then they hit us off with Roman Reigns, the big dog, going against the king, Baron Corbin. And it was a false count anywhere match, and it was about 25 minutes of a good slobber knocker. Folks, if I may steal it from the good old JR myself, it was not meant to be a conventional wrestling match. There was no headlocks and tie-ups. It was a three-, four-month feud that culminated with Roman Reigns beating Baron Corbin. They're in Minime Park, so guess what? It's a false count everywhere. They're going all around the uh, the ballpark, baby. And I think it ended with Roman Baron Corbin on top of like the Astros bench. It was very cool. It was fun. It was an incident where he's putting him in the the, the little porta potty. I was expecting Baron to come out with all the like the blue on him, or at least some brown. You want to make it up for effect and make it seem like that he had wallowed in some poo poo. There was some interference going on with the Usos and Dolph Ziggler and a recently returned Bobby Roode, and that was a good startup, man. I mean, you know, we were like, all right, you got the crowd hyped, you got it hot. What were we doing? And then. Every other match that kind of came on, aside from Bailey and Lacey Evans, which was very ho-hum at a weird ending, kind of just brought it, man. And, you know, I I usually don't dissect all the pay-per-view matches, but when it's a big four, I go a little bit into it. So bear with me as we go from there. We already talked about that Roman Reigns and Barry Corbin. Then came the Women's Royal Rumble match, and there was a little bit of a story in there. Hey, Charles. Spoiler alert. 
Yes. Quick question for you. You said this took no. place at Minute Maid Park? Yes. Um, any, any sign of, uh, any sign of, like, uh, wrong I did doing? see Alex Cora, I did see Alex Cora banging in a trash can. I was, I was wondering if you saw any, uh, wrongdoing or shenanigans going on, uh, huh. any, any trash can banging, things like that. Well, the only shenanigans I can tell you about is not the trash cans, Andrew, but I didn't see a asterisk mark around the uh, Houston Astros title. But, oh, hey, dang. You know, that's a different sport for a different day, right? Yeah, so absolutely. So, Royal Rumble, Charlotte Flair wins. Not really surprised, but kind of surprised. I thought Shayna Baszler was going to be the one who wins it, or Sasha Banks, or Sonya Deville. Sasha apparently was injured. She didn't even come into the match. Sonya Deville got eliminated. The thing about Royal Rumble matches, as we kind of laid out so women's or men's, is that at a point, people who aren't allies, the enemy my enemy is my friend, that kind of storyline comes in. You have tag teams that are together who are going to group up and try to help each other out to get the other people left. And then there's the betrayals. So, you know, for example, Sonya Deville, Mandy Rose, they're part of Team Fire and Desire. Right now, Mandy's being wooed by big boy Val Venus type Otis from Heavy Machinery, whom I love. And they had a great spot. Spot, here's to learn a goof, right? A spot is a, a sequence or an event that has been rehearsed that needs that basically happen in the show. And so to lose or to be eliminated in the Royal Rumble, you have to be thrown over the top rope. Manny Rose was thrown over the top rope, and you think she falls out, and she's eliminated, right? Nope. There was Otis laying there for her and waiting and catches her as he's on his back for elimination. It was great, but then you saw some intrigue and possible storylines to the future because Sonya Deville accidentally eliminated her own tag team partner and you're like oh man where are we going with that storyline needless to say charlotte ends up winning you know this is wrestlemania season guys it's also called the finger pointing season because all they do on every raw and every smackdown and every pay-per-view that comes in which would be super showdown and elimination chamber is point at the damn wrestlemania sign it's burnt out vince can we at least get two fingers can we get a thumbs up can we get a fist bump to the sign i don't know but the women's royal rumble was good even though i had questions about charlotte winning it because charlotte's already established i believe she's an eight-time women's champion both diva NXT, Raw, SmackDown. I don't know who she wants to challenge. Do we want to revisit Charlotte versus Becky? I really don't. Her and Bailey, okay, that's interesting. But, you know, we can have Sasha Banks win the Women's Championship for SmackDown on Elimination Chamber. You can have Sasha versus uh, Charlotte going at each other at WrestleMania. I'd be down for that. The rumor is, though, that she's going to be challenging NXT Women's Champion Rhea Ripley at WrestleMania, and I'm not about that because even though I understand Vince wants to provide more fan base and more clout to NXT, it is still the minor leagues at the end of the day, so why would you want to waste a WrestleMania spot for an NXT title, especially since NXT is going to have its own pay-per-view the night before? There's a better approach you can come to it, so I hope they don't do it. Things change, you know, cards subject to change, right? But that's kind of the rumor mill. Going further down the list, Bailey and Lacey Evans, it was a stinker. Bailey doesn't have chemistry with Lacey Evans in the ring. Lacey botched a little bit. Botched for Lurgoof goof means messing up, effing up. Um, Bailey ends up winning because Lacey went for a moonsault and Bailey put her knees up, got the double knees in the gut, and just rolled up the tights. I was like, ah, whatever. The next match, though, whew, Andrew. And Francisco was here. He understands that I'm not just salivating for Jersey Mike's, uh, you know, buffalo chicken sandwich. I'm salivating over this. It was The Fiend, Bray Wyatt, but The Fiend versus Daniel Bryan 
in a strap match. A strap mm. match. There's a little strap. Everybody's connected, you know, and you're tied together. It hasn't been done in like 10 years. Why? Because certain gimmick matches should just stay in the past, just like 2019. But this was a gimmick match. I was more than happy to be brought back because I got to tell you something. These two just have fantastic chemistry. They got rid of the red light that everybody's been wrestling under when The Fiend comes out, so you got to see everything in its glory. And they kind of beat the holy hell out of each other. The match was fantastic. It showed The Fiend as being this dominating, overbearing, monster incarnate from the depths of hell, even super hell. And then Daniel Bryan, our lovable underdog, who called for this match, who demanded for his match, who wasn't afraid of the fact that The Fiend stabbed himself in the hand the Friday before on SmackDown to smear his ink as a signature for the contract, saying, the drama is juicy. The match was so good, you guys. There was a turning point where I thought that you were going to have Daniel Bryan anymore. They, they sucked me in, even though I know this Fiend character is not going to lose to Daniel Bryan. You had me believe it for a second, because there was two spots that made me see it. The most were low blows by Daniel Bryan. Even the Fiend has a weakness, apparently, like all men. It's your groin area, and it was just delicious. And then he got the strap around the Fiend's uh, face for his submission for the yes lock, and I'm like, is the Fiend going to tap? But no, you know who basically ended up tapping out? Daniel Bryan. It ended with a mandible claw choke slam. And I was like, this is great. This is fantastic. And even to make it better afterwards, after the pinfall, after the Fiend had won, Daniel Bryan, when you tell this story right, you guys, with the story of the underdog who you know is not going to win, he gets elevated to a supernova status because they, he sold it that he just went to hell and back and still lost because they had the whole five referees to come out kind of gig with their arms around. Dale O'Brien and they're escorting back, and he's just selling it. He's, like, stepping down, trying to stand up, keep falling down, can't make it. He looked like Gohan after he went all out after beating Cell and Dragon Ball Z. You really got to watch it, Andrew. I don't know how much I can pour it to you. You can't be 20 years too late. Come on. The time is now. Watch DBZ Abridged by Team Four Star. That's my non-sponsored plug for now, I guess, too. But it was a fantastic match. I loved it. It's one of those matches where I can't wait to rewatch it in a couple weeks on the WWE Network. Mm. The next match, Becky Lynch versus Asuka. What's the storyline? A year ago, Asuka made Becky tap out, to which Asuka won the SmackDown Women's Championship. That's a year storyline they built under. And then now Asuka is the bad guy. Becky, the man Lynch, is the good guy. And the match was pretty good. I felt like it lacked a little bit of that intensity that the first time that they had going against each other in last year's Royal Rumble had. But I was thoroughly entertained, gentlemen. It ended where uh, Asuka, because now she does like the Tajiri Mist where she spits at you and like green mist hits her eyes and Becky sells it, sells it really like she's got poison in her eyes in that sense. She's done it a couple of times. But Becky was prepared because this is the whole thing about wrestling somebody multiple times. You know the things that they're going to do, so you have to have smart them. Becky kicked her in the gut. The Mist hits Asuka in the face and then Becky made her tap out. Good match. Could have been better with maybe a little bit more time, a little bit more interesting. But guys, let's talk about the real bread and butter. The real satisfactory event that I had, which was the Men's Royal Rumble. So, I'm going to preface it like this. Because I know where Andrew wants me to take him. But you know what, man? We're on a road trip together, buddy. And I'm in control of the radio. And I know where you want me to lead to. But you gotta, you gotta, you gotta hold him down. You can't switch that dial on me. I know, I know. Ooh, this, ooh, this, I'm, getting, I'm getting, I'm getting chills right now. This is all you, man. Ooh, 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 we're so excited. Here's the thing about the Royal Rumble that makes it so great. And now I'll give this to you, Andrew. The 
The Royal Rumble is not just good for creating new storylines for WrestleMania or leading to WrestleMania or any feuds after not even leaving WrestleMania. The Royal Rumble is not just good for turning guys who have been kind of in the back door lane or uh, the you know, the back in the gorilla position, that's what they call the backstage, who hasn't had a time to shine. The Royal Rumble has also been good about bringing back returning veterans. Guys who you haven't seen in the WWE for quite some time. Guys who have stayed retired, right? And boy, now we can talk about it. We had one of the best returns that was unknown. It was rumored. It was rumored. But this man is iconic. He has titles upon titles, and he was revered. And that Wait, man was hold on. I, wanted, I always wanted to do this. It was the return of the Rated-R Superstar. There you go. Edge. I was also going to say MVP to kind of uh, troll you a little bit. MVP is a former WWE wrestler who came back. But, yes, the Rated-R Superstar. The ultimate opportunist. The man who started out with the brood. The man who went into the Hall of Fame. The man who had to give up his career in 2011 because he had neck issues. And he was basically told, if you do this again, you're not going to be able to walk. And that man is Edge. He looks like a Viking. When I heard, you think you know me, the titular beginning of his theme music that comes in. And then Metalingus by Alter Bridge comes in. And now you realize the lyrics of a song that you can pronounce 17 years ago has so much meaning because it's going on this day I see clear and he's talking about another chance another chase of dream this man who basically was told you are going to be like in a wheelchair for the rest of your life brain dead who knows if you continue is back because he got approved holy crap was the pop huge pop for the learning group the ovation was huge for everybody myself included I'm laying down I got a drink in my head I'm watching this good Royal Rumble because we're going to go a little bit more back into how it started but I think I flung my phone out. I think I spilled some soda on my shirt. I was just taken aback by it. Holy crap. And it, that was great. And it's about those moments that you like. So to start from the match and then we're going to get back to Edge. The story was for the Royal Rumble was that Brock Lesnar, your WWE champion, entered at number one. And he wanted to prove that he was the guy. He was the guy. And he was going to eliminate everybody and main event his own WrestleMania match. And he went on through for about 16 people. Kept hustling them out. And then he faced a couple of groups that kind of gave him a chance. But then he eliminated all, such as Kofi, Biggie, Braun Strowman, Keith Lee, all those guys. Until he was finally eliminated by Drew McIntyre with the help of Ricochet. Because Brock Lesnar's greatest weakness is being low-blowed. And then he was claymored out. Drew looked fantastic into it. He, spoiler alert, won the Royal Rumble. But that final five sequence of Edge, Randy Orton was in it, obviously, because Randy's always there. AJ Styles, Drew McIntyre, Seth Rollins, KO, Kevin Owens, Samoa Joe. It, it was just so much muscle you invested because here was the thing about this Royal Rumble. I could not predict you a winner. I had three or four guys I think they were logically going to go with. My friend was saying, oh, it's going to be Roman Reigns, who was the last person eliminated. I'm like, no, because Roman's got that clout now. The Fiend's just going to challenge him. He'll take him on at WrestleMania. We'll see. But it came down to the final four, right? The final four was Drew McIntyre, the guy who eliminated Brock Lesnar, the guy who started to finally come over the crowd, the guy who was gone for two and a half years or five years. He was with the company when we started out, told to be the chosen one, got cut or fired 
and then had to go on a sabbatical to wrestle in the Indies and at TNA, and then came back and wasn't really doing much, but he was coming over. Randy Orton, the man who has won it twice, who was looking to be the only man to win it three times besides Stone Cold Steve Austin. A returning edge. How great would it be? Like, hey, you don't know him. You think you know him? Well, guess what? He's back in now, and maybe he's going to win the Royal Rumble. And then Roman Reigns, we already talked about, you know, being there. His other story is that he would like an opportunity to have a title shot because when he had a big case off of leukemia. So that's your final four. And so much was happening, and you're getting jerks because you can't tell who's going to win. And so Randy Orton was like, because they were part of a team, because you mentioned the Radar Superstar, uh, Edge, then you have Randy Orton, who's known for the RKO, the most you know devastating attack in the WWE or sports entertainment history. They had a tag team called Rated RKO. They won multiple tag titles together. They Ooh, that's clever. Friends, right? And it's important because what do we know about the Royal Rumble? It creates new wrestle or feuds leading to WrestleMania. Spoiler alert: There, Randy is contemplating eliminating Edge. Edge catches him, and Randy's like, come on, man, you know it's good, let's just go handle it. And then Edge just eliminates Randy out of nowhere. So your final three is, uh, I, I got ahead of myself, it's Roman Reigns, Drew McIntyre, and Edge. And then you have a moment where you think Edge is just going to be gone, but no, he spears Roman Reigns. Roman and Edge, they're the same finisher, the spear, you're just basically tackling somebody. Edge does not really pull off that well anymore, because he's 46, and this is his ring rust that's coming in there. At the end, Edge is eliminated. You think Roman's going to win? Roman's eliminated. Drew won. Everybody's going crazy. It was a great rumble. It was electrifying. You know, for me, we talk about Edge because now I'm just going to go on there. I remember getting into wrestling in like 1996. Edge had started. Then he was with the Brood with Christian and Gangrel. And he had his tag team championships. He was known for the tables, ladders, and chairs matches with the Hardys and the Dudley Boys. He had some singles matches that got some success minorly in the mid card, which is the IC belt and US belt. And then. Somehow, some way, you know, Vince McMahon doesn't just go for grease, oily, big muscle dudes or a baldy Hulk Hogan. He decided to put that belt on Edge, and Edge ends up, you know, having a great career because he had, and I quote, seven World Heavyweight Championships and four WWE Championships, calculated to a total of 11 Heavyweight Championships. And here's the thing you got to understand, Andrew, and I don't know how big you are on Edge. He's not, like, my most favorite wrestler, but I still think it's a great story because last year or two years ago, we got Daniel Bryan who came back. Right. And Daniel Bryan had the brain lesions. They were told, yo, you're going to die. And then he was cleared medically, and he's able to come back. And that man was a talent, and he still is a talent now. I hope great things for him going down the line. I don't know who he's going to feud with leading to Mania, but we'll see. But then you had Edge. Edge had to vacate his title. After he found out, he won at WrestleMania, he won the big belt, and then the next day he has to vacate his championship because of the spinal issues that he has. So that was literally handed. He won the big stage. He won the title on the grandest stage of them all. Has to vacate it because he's retiring, and that's it. You don't see him. He goes off to do Christian's and Christian Edge's awesome podcast, the podcast of awesomeness, whatever it is. He goes on to do a role in Vikings. He does some other roles in like Haven, all this other stuff. I think he was in an episode of The Flash in season four, and that's it. But now, now Edge is back, and I'm interested because what happened next? You know, next thing that happened Monday Night Raw last night. Edge is there. He's left on the final 10, 15 minutes to talk to everybody. He comes and has adventures. Crowd is still electric. He's talking. He's talking. He's saying how happy he is to be back. Everything's great. Randy Orton comes out. We're on Raid RKO. They were trying to play games with each other and Edge eliminate him, but they're friends. You know, the tag team. Randy comes out and says, hey, man, let's get the band back together. What if we do this Raid RKO one more time? And you're like, yeah, because Randy's been a face. Face in, 
you know, to learn a new form. He says, he's the good guy. He's the baby face. He's like, yeah, that's great. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, comes Randy Orton with the RKO. And you're like, oh, don't do it. You, if you listen to it on, like, the uh, YouTube segment, you hear, like, very invested crowd fans going and say, no, Randy, don't do it. And I was cracking up. Because it reminded me when I was, like, 10 years old. You know, I thought wrestling was scripted. Well, not scripted, but uh, real life, right? Right. Um, but... And then Randy goes even more intense because you thought an RKO would be enough. You just committed someone's finisher. Randy goes on to put Edge's hair on the head on the chair, and then he takes another chair and just slams the chair on his head with a double impact, giving him his own one man concerto. And then Edge is out commission. And you know what, Andrew loved it because that's the perfect storyline to bring Edge back in to WrestleMania season. I say that a lot. That should be its own promo code, right? <laughs> Because the idea is you can give now Edge the month off that he needs, because WrestleMania is in April, in Tampa. Your boy doesn't want to go broke to go, but he might go broke to go. I don't know yet. Uh, at least I'll go to that Raw. But you give Edge another month to kind of rehabilitate, to work off whatever ring rust he has, because unfortunately his spear did injure AJ Styles legitimately, where AJ had to separate shoulder, and we love AJ Styles on this show. you know. So Edge, don't hurt my boys, please. But give him a month to kind of train on some house shows or at the PC at the Performance Center that's in Orlando, and then get healthy, and then you can have a match with Edge, who had a, his last match wrestled was at WrestleMania in 2011, and now can come back with his first match, first technical singles match. If I'm booking it, if I'm missing man, first match back at WrestleMania against his former ally, friend, the man who tried to tell him stay retired, Randy Orton. It's the best storyline that you're gonna have. Nothing is going to beat it. Even Drew McIntyre challenging Brock Lesnar, which I'm excited to see, because for once we're going to get somebody that is physically different than what Brock has been dealing with. You know, because if you look at Drew McIntyre, he looks like a Scottish stud man. He can mess you up. So you know, you don't want to get in a fight with him either. But uh, man, it was it was just such a damn good rumble. It was such a good rumble, especially since last year's was kind of ho hum because you knew who was winning. And the problem with wrestling is when you get that feel of who's going to win, because it was Seth last year and Becky, when you know who's going to win the main rumbles, it kind of sucks out the fun. So it's like watching a movie and you've already heard the spoilers, but you're, you still want to see it, you know? Right. Uh, this time, not so much. Look at that, man. Look at Randy Orton just putting his head in there. And especially since you know the backstory of the neck issues. I mean, it, it's just perfect storytelling. Because, guys, this is what's great about wrestling. We talk about sports being a connector, or we talk about sports being a connector, right? Wrestling is definitely a connector because at the end of the day, it is a dance. It is a story. It is a ballet. Right now, I'm seeing a ballet of revenge, and I'm about it. Maybe some Phantom of the Opera stuff. And that's what I got for you right now, buddy. Now, I have a question for you. Tell me. Uh, so I'm looking at this article here from WWE. It says Edge rush rushed to local medical facility following Randy Orton's attack on Raw. Is that kayfabe? It's kayfabe. So terminology, kayfabe, keeping within the story, right? Mm -hmm. Pretty much. It is completely kayfabe because Edge isn't, you know, it's what you have to do that up, just how I kind of told you, you know, especially when it's on the WWE website you're probably going to find out who's legitimately injured if they put a little small panel not on their front page or on Twitter or from Dave Meltzer from the Wrestling Observer. And, mm -hmm. you know, not, not to give you the idea, I'm not necessarily the biggest Dave Meltzer fan. No offense, Dave, but your rating systems kind of suck. You can't have <laughs> six and seven when the normal way of rating things is when you used to is from one to fives. You got to make up your mind, dude. I know Kenny Omega and uh, 
Kazuka Okada are fantastic, but you can't just give people 6.25s when for like 20-something years you've just been doing five stars, man. You're killing me. It, it breaks all logic and breaks my mind. Bringing it back, though, is that you find out through other ways of legitimate injuries that come in from the websites. WWE, if they put that on the front page, man, it's the advertisement. It's the thing. It wants you to get invested. It wants you to remember this is a guy who came back for having serious life consequence, life-altering, life-threatening injuries. And there's this man, for some reason, doesn't care about that, wants to destroy you. Don't you hate that guy? Don't you kind of hate that guy? Don't you want to just see him get his comeuppance? How could he attack his own friend who's just doing it to get back into it for his daughter, for his wife, Beth Phoenix, who's also a Hall of Famer, for his friend, Christian, who is a lifelong friend, for his fans who love him. And then there's this man who's just going to destroy him. That's how you tell the story. The Phantom of the Edge is here. And you think you know him? You don't know him. (laughs) <laughs> nice reference there I applaud did you, you did you watch the uh, his return I didn't see it live but did you watch the YouTube or anything of it I did and what? I, did I, you not hear that pop give me your impressions that I, I got to admit I I was actually going to ask you that as well but I mean I'm obviously not as well versed as you but that was probably one of the loudest pops I've ever heard I don't think I've ever heard anything that high except for when Kofi won the title at WrestleMania. And that was, that was a you know, that was the odyssey, really. Well, actually, no, I would say Edge is more the odyssey. The literary in me, you know, I have to stop myself there. But uh, that, that was, that was basically like, you know, the Rocky Balboa moment right there. You know, I'm not talking about Rocky one because at the end of the day, he still lost to Apollo Creed. You got, or Apollo Creed, I can't speak, Apollo Creed. I got too excited. He still lost to Apollo, you guys. So we don't, we don't celebrate losers on the show. But uh, the second one, when he finally wins the title from Paulo. So, you know, with Kofi, that was like the biggest pop. The crowd was hot. It was going. So, unfortunately, once Edge comes back in a full-time position, at least the first match I was at Venture, you can get the crowd who says, you still got it, and they clap. I'm like, come on. Like, don't do that. Like, you know, he, he's building a new one. Let's just love him for there. Mm-hmm. But uh, that aside, it, it was kind of weird because – the problem with, I think, sometimes with Vince McMahon wrestling, overseeing wrestling in the WWE, is that he doesn't know how to make new superstars. I think everybody who is a real critic of wrestling, of WWE, can agree with me. And he will hold on to ghosts of the past to kind of amplify attendance, ratings. I'm not saying, but I'm saying amplify, shoot up, right? Mm. And attendance and viewership and everything like that. That's what he's done with Hulk Hogan for years, even Ric Flair, who I love. You know, one of my favorite wrestlers, and not my favorite wrestler. The Big Show recently came back, and I love the Big Show. Big Show, you know, Paul White put in his due coming into this thing at like 21, 22, but, you know, he, he always gets injured because his body's broken up. The Undertaker, synonymous with WWE, I feel. Matt's been given it for 25, 26 years, but he's always called back Goldberg. You know, these are guys that really you just tell yourself, you're like, man, you really, really shouldn't be going at it anymore. I mean, listen, I'll take Taker one more time at Mania for a proper retirement match mm-hmm. so he can put over the right guy. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. It should be Aleister Black. Please make it happen. Um, but there's other people that you don't have to relate. Try to build inward of what you have. That's what you have NXT for. That's the performance center. That's why you sign the big-name guys from the lower companies because you want to amplify on their start or you want to build you know, natural guys and push them. Push them as they should be great because they've been paying their dues. And not eating, catering in the backstage. But then, when it's times like this, man, I'm a sucker for feel-good stories. For a guy who, you know, when you think about it, if Edge's career didn't end because of injury, that kind of severe of injury, 
you retired at 36, he probably would have given you another four or five years, you know, tap out at 41, 42. He would already have been retired, and that's it. But now this gives him an opportunity. He signed a new deal. The deal was for three years. And that's why it was kind of like in the works a little bit. But we just knew that Edge was – he played a little bit of a – you know, he played a little hardball because AEW, head by Cody Rhodes, former – you know, WWE employee was also trying to get Edge over because I think they had Edge originally on Ledger's contract. So Edge, of course, got some money, but everybody probably thought that he maybe wasn't ready to do a wrestling return. Maybe it was just for a on-screen role or as a producer, as an agent or a road agent. And then came SummerSlam and he speared Elias. And you're like, ah, that doesn't mean he took a bump, though, because you're just spearing somebody. Right. And Spear's like, I would, you would agree with me on this. The Spear's probably the easiest move I would say to do. Probably. It takes no effect. Look at us, Wrestling 101. Let's just open up a camp. We could do this. Um, you don't have to go and pay for the Deadly Boys camp. You come to our camp. Charles <laughs> but a spear is essentially you moving at a pace, wrapping, make it seem like you're going to wrap your arms around it, and then your opponent's just going to kind of fall down with you. It's kind of like a DDT that doesn't hold your neck. You know, The only other thing I can think that's probably easiest is just a simple splash because you're really sucking in your gut a little bit so you don't hit on anybody's clavicle. But whatever right. Right now. It's not like I looked at wrestling schools, right? Um, but, you know, you're like, okay, a spear. But now this is legitimate. This is real. You know, this is a nice way. Cause, and let me tell you something, uh, and I'll end it with this. This Royal Rumble was so good that it took me away from real-world events that was going on. You know, with Kobe, coronavirus, impeachment, stuff like that, it gave me the good old entertainment that I require. And that's the connection I have with it. That was a... Uh... That was a hell of a cage there, Charles. Oh, man, it was more like a hell in a cell. (laughs) And you have to admit, you're you're just a little bit proud of me that I knew A, rated R superstar, and B, kayfabe. I am also proud of the fact that you, like, watched it. I feel like what I should do for you guys as you educate me on the hockey stuff, and I'm getting better, it's just if I don't have it, if they don't broadcast the games all the time, you know, what am I supposed to do? But uh, I should feel like I should give you guys a little clips so you can see promos or you can see things I'm talking about. Because I like to keep the cage a surprise. But if I got to have mercy, if I got if I got to bring it to the cult, baby. But I'm proud of you too for uh, for not just knowing kayfabe and edge and everything in nature, but you, you watched it. You know the pop. Yeah, I, I I I spend a well it depends on my schedule, but I I'll go back and watch Attitude Era clips every now and then and the the probably one of the best pops i've seen since the attitude era and surpasses most and i i think a lot of it has to do with his uh it in a sense kind of reminds me of steve austin's intro um because it kind of has this suddenness to the beginning of it the glass breaking the glass breaking uh you think you know me it's just complete still no sound exactly um and then it's you know those are great themes when you just have to hear you know kind of like uh the g-note in welcome to the black parade yeah. Or songs where you just hear one note, and you're like, oh, that's it's that song. Um, and I think that's definitely one of those, and that really helped, I think, with the, the pop. 
it's, and no one was expecting it. And I, I think one other thing on him is this is remember wrestling at the end of the day it's just a circus is a carny right someone's leading the show you mentioned black parade someone's leading that parade that's vince mcmahon <laughs> you know these are guys who they live off the entertainment to please the crowd it's not like other sports and yes i, I know what i said there's a difference between scripted and real sports but when it comes to like football players basketball players hockey players they do it for the love of the game they do it for a lot of money mm-hmm. they do it for that security you know but I, I think at the end of the day there's a lot of people who can differentiate and say, well, I don't really care if people don't like me. I'm going to make this three free throw or not. I'm going to make this touchdown, but I don't care. You know, maybe they do care, obviously, but their primary purpose is not for the people. It's just so they can be upper echelon in or the upper pantheon of their greatness in that sport. For wrestling, at the end of the day, you're going from doing it in the bingo halls, performing from bingo halls to you know, Madison Square Garden, and you're doing it for the applause, the crowd. It, it's, it's an acting thing, too. Everybody likes applause, right? So you want people to applaud you they want you to you want them to hate you when you're supposed to be hated you want people to chat this is awesome this is wrestling holy you know holy crap yowie wowie as you hear in some of the fiend matches and what you have to understand is it's very tough with the injuries that they get because you get some health insurance providers that won't cover them because mm-hmm. it's not entertaining the real sport uh, they deal, they're doing this year-round, at least in the WWE. So you're talking about 300 days out of the year. Your body can only take so much. There was the year, you know, the issues of the pill addiction, drug addiction, Eddie Guerrero. Well, I won't say Eddie, but Eddie had his issues. But look at the Von Erics and stuff like that. Um, but this is someone who literally gave it all and said, I can't give it all anymore. Or I'm going to, same thing with Daniel Bryan. It was like, they found lesions in my brain. Um, so I have to really stop because I love my wife and kids, but I also love you guys too because me – I guess it's like being a teacher. I'm not a teacher, so maybe it's not the comparison, but it's the first thing in your mind. It's the feeling that you get to help people, to guide people to make to feel like a development and a connection to somebody in their life gives you also that kind of sense of fulfillment, right? So, you know, it's impressive for Edge, and I think fans who actually know deeper what's going on, um, that's why it was the pop for it, too. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just a random guy returning, like the poor MVP, who just wasn't resigned and didn't want to come back to WWE for a while. He was like popular, but not like the do. Whereas you had someone who literally gave everything. Right. Hey, he's in the Hall of Fame for a reason. Yeah. But yet everybody at this rate's gonna go to the Hall of Fame. <laughs> uh, I don't know. We're this is kind of an odd, interesting episode with all those diff- with technical difficulties at the beginning. Um, we had a very solemn topic to discuss earlier uh, it's getting kind of late it's it's probably close to, although my timer is saying we're only at an hour and 22 although it keeps stopping there it goes uh i don't know do you think we should just call it here charles and we i think we hit the topics that which you you know we gotta do right yeah we got uh we can discuss the all-star game and the pro bowl well we can who cares about the Pro Bowl? Um, come, come back and see us next week, everybody. Leave me want some more. Absolutely. We're famous now. Yes. <laughs> so, as always, thank you to the two people that came in and watched us today. Um, if there were more, I apologize. Uh, but there were. But we we love all our viewers, whether they're here or not. You know, we've got Freddie, we've got Bu, we've got Mikey. Um, our regulars, 
We appreciate you all. We appreciate you all for watching. As always, I am here with the wonderful Charles. And I, of course, am Andrew. This was Sports Goose episode 49. And we hope that you have a wonderful evening and a wonderful week. Bye, everybody. Come back next week. Absolutely. Hold on. Sorry for taking so long. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, I, I was, I wanted it to be long like that because.